Back again, welcome to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chaus. Welcome back to the show. It's week 16 fantasy football finals championship weekend. This was massive. If everyone who plays fantasy football, they know this is the end. This is the end of the fantasy football season. Go home, do or die. Win that trophy, get it on your case, win your trophy rings, whatever you have coming in your leagues. It was a big week, and this had to be, I mean, one of the most different finals I have seen in many years of playing this fantasy football. I have never seen so many injuries happen to so many clubs and so many big names, and you really... If you look at the guys who produced today, it would not even come close to where they would have been drafted uh, back in the offseason. Nevertheless, I mean, this is fantasy football. This is why we play the games. This is why we do it. It's that level of competition. It's that risk. It's the unknown. It's what makes the game fun. So, I mean, with Week 16, we obviously had no Thursday night football. Thursday night football is done for yet another season. The NFL did something a little different this year. They had three games on Saturday, which was nice. It almost felt like another Thanksgiving Day slate. So let's jump into Saturday, the first game on the board. We had the Houston Texans versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nothing really huge in this contest outside of fantasy football, with exception of the Houston Texans trying to lock up the division crown with a win in Tampa Bay. This game started out like, you know, it's very difficult to say like we expected. This is Jameis Winston at his best. So we were on the show last week uh, discussing the thought process that Jameis Winston may have uh, played well enough to keep his job in Tampa Bay. After this contest, I will retract that previous statement because I think he might have just played his way out of Tampa Bay with this contest. He started the game off absolutely dreadful. He threw a pick six to Bradley Roby on his very first throw. Jameis Winston today or on Saturday had four interceptions. Count them four. One touchdown pass. He did not do what he normally does. Even though we expect Jameis to throw the one, two, three interceptions, rarely four do we expect, but three, two, that's a given with Jameis. But with that comes at least at minimum those two to three, three to four touchdown passes while going over 350 yards. He went over 300 yards, but he only scored one touchdown. If you played Jameis, he was in the realm of 10 to 12 points for your team, depending on league scoring. He totally let you down. I mean, it was a disaster of a day if you played him. When it comes to the receivers, Brashad Perryman, he he had a good day. He still had enough points to get you if you were full PPR. He was 7 for 102. And, I mean, Ronald Jones pitched into uh, in on that game as well, which was kind of a uh, something we fully didn't expect. I really didn't think that Jones was going to be able to find 
any room on this Houston uh, defense in the front seven, but he found room. He got in the end zone, so he was your fantasy stud of that day as well. Deshaun Watson, if we're speaking of the Houston Texans, he let you down as well on championship weekend. He did not throw a touchdown pass. He did run the ball somewhat, did not score there as well. He was under 200 yards, under 40 rushing. I mean, he was a complete letdown for you in the championship round. It is unfortunate. We 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 preach all the time, play your studs, play them on fantasy finals, play them in the semifinals to get you where you're going to need to go. And it just didn't happen this week for these guys. I mean, it was a disaster. They, these guys put you in a hole basically right away. But from the game perspective, I mean, Houston wins this contest 23-20. to Tampa Bay tried to claw back. They almost came back to uh, at least have a chance to tie it up. The turnovers were were devastating. I mean, this is this is basically the entire day. It was filled with turnovers on both sides of the ball. Deshaun Watson was sacked five times. Winston was sacked four times. I mean, it was it was turnover central in this contest. That's that's for sure. So anyway, the Houston Texans win this contest and edge out the victory with the victory. They edge out the the division crown in the AFC North. And they will lock down at least the fourth seed. Um, the way it's looking right now, that's where they're going to be sitting. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are licking their wounds. And they will be doing even more evaluation uh, heading into next week. So moving right along to the next contest on the board, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots again on Saturday, the mid, mid-game on Saturday. This contest had everything to do with NFL seeding and placement for the uh, postseason. Buffalo still had a chance. Bills Mafia, you guys did lock up your playoff spot for the wild card, but you still had an opportunity to supplant the Patriots to actually take the division crown in the AFC East for the first time in God knows how long. I mean, the Patriots have been winners of what? This was their 11th straight if they were going to win this contest, and they did. I mean, this was a battle. This was probably one of the funnest games I've seen the Bills and the Patriots play in, in many, many years. We haven't seen a, a, a sound contest of this magnitude uh, uh, for a very long time. But anyway, the Buffalo Bills, they came out, man. They were not afraid. Their first drive, they were rolling. They tried to run the ball. I wasn't impressed fully with a lack of passing confidence to start the game. I really thought, you know, let Josh Allen kind of sling the ball around, find those holes, spread that defense. I mean, you know you're going up against the Patriots strong defensive unit you needed to spread them out a little bit show that no fear but they had moments where it just it didn't look right it didn't look great but I mean all in all Josh Allen he had a decent day for you he was uh 208 yards two touchdown passes he was sacked four times that was a problem the Bills really needed to um adjust in this contest when it came to the rushing and the edge edge blitzing it was it was getting in Allen's face he was having a very difficult time understanding where the blitz was coming from where the pass rush was coming from but i mean the bills were 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 hanging tough they were in this game tom brady was doing what he does he that one drive they had 
I believe, two or three drives where they were just milking the clock. And this is typical uh, Patriots football. Nickel and dime you all the way down the field and then uh, try to pop it in for the touchdown, which they did, especially on their first drive. I really thought that this was going to be the staple of this game as they were setting it up, and it was. It definitely was. The Bills' defense really tried their best. They, they stayed on the field for a very long time. The Patriots totally dominated time of possession, 38 minutes to 21 minutes. And, I mean, it was basically turnover-free with exception of the Rex Burkhead fumble, which led to the first uh, field goal for the Buffalo Bills. Nevertheless, I mean, Buffalo really was trying. They were down, but they came back, and they actually took a lead in this contest with a massive strike to John Smokey Brown. 53-yard bomb. Josh Allen was under duress. He took a massive hit, still placed the ball on a dime, and Brown just cooked Stephon Gilmore. You don't see that very often. He had Gilmore turned inside out, and he took it to the end zone. Either way, I mean, I was I was somewhat impressed with the Buffalo Bills game. I really wanted to see that killer instinct. And you know what the most impressive part of it is, is that Josh Allen in the fourth quarter, his his veins are full of ice that guy has no fear when you hit the 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 crunch time the stretch of the end of the game where even if they need to come back he's gonna try to make it happen you just don't see him getting rattled it's almost like he jumps into that next realm of his psyche and he knows how to go down the field with calm with confidence he was doing very well but I mean, all in all, the Patriots, they still came out to play. This is Tom Brady's house. You're not going to push them around. Rex Burkhead gets the final touchdown with, what, five minutes left in the game. And, and that was basically all she wrote for the Bills. So at the end of this contest, the Patriots do win 24-17, to and they do lock up that division in the AFC East once again. I believe it was the 11th straight year the Patriots have won the division, and that is ridiculous within itself. No team, I believe, I can say that with a lot of confidence, that we won't see another team um, go for a stretch as, the, as long as the Patriots have. This has been going on for basically all of Tom Brady's career. If it's, what, 19, 20 years, it's been just sheer dominance in this division and, and at least the Bills, hey, they're building. You have to be positive what you're seeing. Going into the playoffs, they will be learning. This is still the thing with the Buffalo Bills. It's all about growth. It's all about learning. Young teams who are building properly like they are and they're good, they need time to grow. They need time to learn. And the Bills will have their bumps along the road. I mean, I still believe in this contest it showed a lot to me that they have a lot to still uh, work out they need extra help on the on the rushing department on the edge rushes the they need another linebacker they need another defensive back as well I mean Julian Edelman was playing at less than 100 percent and they still couldn't cover him I mean he didn't go for a touchdown but he did enough to move the chains like they do so there were a lot of things I wanted to see cleaned up I think the Bills have a good mentality of what it takes to be successful in the playoffs and I mean you're going to need it the Patriots this is what they do they're going to roll on with their defense the entire way uh, throughout the postseason and they're still going to be one of the top contenders for the Super Bowl come down the wire so moving right along to the next contest on the board we have the LA Rams traveling to the San Francisco 49ers to close out the Saturday slate this contest 
contest was a dandy. If you missed this one, it was glorious. I mean, we had offense galore. It was great. This game was uber important to the LA Rams for their playoff lives. Win and they still have life. Lose and you are packing up and you are going home. This was going to define what Sean McVay and this 2019 season would be. I mean, this is it. It was a greatly disappointing season for the Rams up to this point. They have been so up and down. It's been very difficult to put your finger on. But this game was a shootout. I mean, Jared Goff, he was a machine. I mean, he was 323 yards, two touchdowns. He was hitting his receivers. Robert Woods, Tyler Higby has been a monster in this offense the last four weeks. This is four straight weeks with over 100 yards. He went nine catches, 104 yards uh, this week. Robert Woods, he also went eight receptions, 117 yards. Brandon Cooks finally found his way into the end zone, so he helped you but you probably didn't play him in fantasy football anyway because he has just been so irrelevant as it has been. Todd Gurley, he found the end zone twice, so if you did play him, he probably helped you hoist your trophy. As for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, he was uneven. I really didn't like his game on Saturday whatsoever. I really expected him to elevate to the next level. Um, I really wanted to see in greater competition what the San Francisco 49er team would do. And it's it's been week after week, the last few weeks, that the, the 49ers have faced more stout competition. I mean, they did it versus the New Orleans Saints. So we can't uh, uh, say many negatives in that regard. But when you're playing a team like the Rams, a team that you really need to put away with distinction, you really didn't do it again today. And I mean, we spoke about this last week. Uh, about what the blueprint could be to beat this 49ers club, and that is stopping their ground game. And once again, it happened. I mean, Raheem Mostert was your guy. He had 11 rushes for 53 yards, and he found the end zone. I mean, Tevin Coleman, five carries. Debo Samuel had to carry the ball three times, and Jimmy Garoppolo just scrambled four times. This is it. I mean, Tevin Coleman has basically been... Uh, a non-factor in this run game for the last several weeks and it is quite head scratching I really don't understand what Kyle Shanahan's doing perhaps he is saving Coleman for the playoffs I can definitely see that he doesn't want to get him injured he wants to have a full running back room um, and he's saying that he's just going to run the hot hand with Monster because he's been the better runner of late. I'm not necessarily buying it. I think it all has everything to do with the postseason. Being healthy in the postseason is going to be the key to winning that Super Bowl trophy. They do have a squad. The 49ers defense, on the other hand, I have not been overly impressed these past few weeks as well. I mean, the competition, uh, we, we said it, I mean, at the beginning, the competition was lighter for this defense. So obviously they look like world beaters. But now with the level in, uh, increasing for their opponents, I mean, you're starting to see how they're able to dissect. The, the pressure is not getting there as much as it had been. So that is giving quarterbacks a lot more time to throw the ball. I mean, the Rams offensive line is not stout in any regard as it was a season prior. And Jared Goff, he was able to, to stand in the pocket and find his receivers with ease. I mean, this is a big problem that you're going to have to clean up when you come into the playoffs if you are going to be that dominant force. The secondary is also getting gashed. I mean, receivers were running free. Robert Woods was your guy. I mean, he was wide open on a number of occasions. They were beating that zone. 
and then for good measure they were using Tyler Higby to perfection. I mean, it was it was just unguardable at points in this game for San Francisco. However, so as this game moved forward, it was a nail biter all the way to the wire. So the Rams tied this game up late with a Greg Zerline field goal. There was literally no time left on this clock. You had a two-minute drive. It was under two minutes when Zerline, or just over two minutes, excuse me, when Zerline made his field goal. And the 49ers, this, there was one play in particular which got them into field goal range and gave them the opportunity to not head to overtime and win this contest. It was a play that... Jalen Ramsey completely misjudged. He believed he had safety help deep. And, I mean, it just wasn't there. I mean, there was a miscommunication on the back end, and it was Emmanuel Sanders. He went deep. He found room, and they got into field goal range. And Robbie Gold kicked the winning field goal to not send it to overtime and win the game and eliminate the Rams from playoff contention. This was the end. This was a very, very entertaining day. Fantasy football-wise, you had a lot of ballers. On the stat sheet, I mean, George Kittle, he again, he helped you definitely win your championship like he has all season long. He's been Mr. Consistent. Emmanuel Sanders hasn't been uh, as involved uh, somewhat like Tevin Coleman these last couple weeks. I mean, it hasn't been great outside of the New Orleans blow up. Uh, Sanders has kind of cooled off these last couple weeks. Debo Samuel has been used a lot more, which I do like. I actually have... Uh, have been raising him up on my list. I believe he is uh, uh, an up-and-comer in this league. I really, truly believe that. He is, a, he is a very sound talent. So, I mean, that was the Saturday slate, so let's jump into Sunday. A lot of these contests on Sunday really didn't have much in terms of NFL playoff implication uh, outside of a few, a handful. But a lot of it obviously was for fantasy football. But like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, this week is all about finding those patch-made players that you're going to have to replace due to injury. I mean, Derrick Henry didn't play this week. Dalvin Cook has been ruled out. Alexander Madison has been ruled out. I mean, you have a plethora of talented, talented players who will not be helping you gain the fantasy coveted fantasy trophies this weekend. It is it is a disaster in a lot of respect. But nevertheless, let's move right along. We won't spend a whole heck of a lot of time on the games that didn't mean a lot. But however, let's jump right in. This is what we do. First game on the board, the Jacksonville Jaguars take travel to Atlanta to face the Falcons. This game, we knew, I mean, Jacksonville has been, uh, they've packed it in already for the past several weeks. We didn't expect a lot. This was the biggest problem. We mentioned it last week when uh, Coach Doug Marone benched Gardner Minshew and, and put in Nick Foles when he returned from IR. This was the biggest mistake. The Jaguars were still alive. They had life. They had uh, belief in themselves. And, and when you did this rotating door of quarterback, it showed a lack of trust in uh, this offense as a whole, and it basically collapsed. I mean, Leonard Fournette today, he was okay. He helped you at least get some uh, some fantasy points. He found his way in the pass game somewhat, still didn't cross that 100-yard threshold, didn't find the end zone again. This has been the problem for Leonard Fournette. I really am hoping with everything inside that he is traded to another team come this offseason, if not outright released. Depending on, they're, they're calling already Doug Marone is going to keep his job. I really don't know how. 
he should be fired after the end of this season. He has mismanaged this team that had boatloads of talent that could have done something that was one game away from going to the Super Bowl a few years ago. And and I mean, now they are going relegated to being a laughingstock. I mean, this is this is what it is. As for the Atlanta Falcons, we knew what Atlanta was going to do for you today. Matt Ryan was your stud. He did throw two interceptions, which was unfortunate, but he went almost 400 yards through a touchdown pass. Devontae Freeman comes to play for you in the finals. If you had the kahunas to start Devontae, he or Devonta, he would have helped you immensely. His yardage wasn't fantastic, but he was good in the pass game. Freeman had 13 carries, 53 yards, one rushing touchdown. He added nine receptions for 74 yards and found the end zone again through the air. He was a darling. This is what this is the Freeman that we expected from the beginning of the season. We had him higher on our draft kit, on our rankings, simply because of this offense. That we knew that they were going to be more pass heavy with uh, Dirk Cutter calling the shots as the offensive coordinator. This season just really didn't materialize. And I've also heard the rumors that Dan Quinn, head coach of the Falcons, his job is relatively safe, which I am on the fence with. I still think Dan Quinn is a very talented mind. I think he could turn this ship around. There still is a lot of holes on this roster. So is this all Dan Quinn's fault? I can't say no. I can't say yes and I can't say no. I really want to point the blame to to general manager Dimitrov. I think he has done this club a mass disservice by always drafting offense. They started picking defense a, a, a little bit here and there through the drafts, but, I mean, it's usually dictated through offense. I mean, you have Matt Ryan, you need offensive line. I get it. You have Julio Jones, you needed another wide receiver to help pull coverage. Uh, so you draft Ridley. I get it. But, I mean, here's the key. You need that defense. And over these last several weeks, the Falcons' defense has been improving. So does that save Dan Quinn's job? I believe it does because this is his forte. Dirk Cutter is your offensive coordinator, and we knew that with with Cutter it comes with interceptions. He's a lot less about the uh, uh, mechanics of the game and more about the opportunity of the game. He is going to throw those. Matt Ryan is going to throw those picks in this system. And again, he did it before when Cutter was the offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan saw his highest interception rate. I'd have to go back and check to see what Ryan's interception rate is this season, but I believe it is pretty high as well. Julio Jones, on the other hand, he comes back to life once again. He has 10 receptions, 166 yards, and he was targeted again a whopping 15 times. That is 20 and 15 in the last two weeks for a grand total of 35 touch uh, targets in the last two weeks. Unbelievable amount of productivity. I mean, Julio, yes, his touchdowns again have been down this season, but again, this is about the scheme. He's being double covered. The creativity just isn't there, and it's just really Julio doing what Julio does, getting wide open and making these plays. So, I mean, Austin Hooper also was a guy. He was your earner. He was seven catches, 82 yards. Good for PPR points. Very well done. So he would have helped you at the tight end position as well. Falcons roll 24-12 to in a contest that didn't mean a whole heck of a lot. So let's move right along to the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. This game actually had some playoff implication for the Ravens as seeding was massive. If they win this contest, they would clinch top seed in the AFC playoffs. So this is very, very important because if you go to if you're Baltimore, you want everyone to come to your house in the postseason, including the Patriots, including Kansas City, if that's how it's going to shape up. 
this is a massive win. Massive. So the Cleveland Browns came into this contest. I was very intrigued. As I said last week, I'm very curious to see if an NFL defense is going to be able to come up with a system or a scheme that's going to be able to shut down Lamar Jackson. The the game started this way against the Cleveland Browns once again. The Browns are one of the uh, two teams that have beaten the Ravens this season, and they started exactly the same way as they did in the first match. Lamar Jackson had difficulty throwing the ball. The coverages were there. They were blocking the edges perfectly, and Lamar was struggling. So entering the second quarter, the Cleveland Browns did open the scoring to a touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield to their tight end, Harris. And that was pretty much the end for the Browns. Baltimore was just wasn't having it after that. It was there was a Lamar Jackson show once again. The Ravens said, "Okay, we're not messing around anymore." Jackson started running the ball. Cleveland had no answers, and then he started opening it up to Mark Andrews in the pass game, and it was just game over after that. You saw there was no competing the Browns after the Ravens started putting on the on the Jets throwing out the juice. I mean, Lamar Jackson's day, he was a phenomenal machine today again. 238 yards passing, another three touchdown passes, 17 carries, 103 yards again on the ground. Just animal-like. It was unbelievable. Some of these moves that he was making. So here's what we were saying before. If you are going to try and contain Lamar Jackson, it all starts with the edges. Granted, he is going to juke you out of your pants even if you have that edge. You need to be uh, uh, agile on those edges. Keep your feet moving. If you're standing still, you're done. It was seen in this contest where Lamar faked out one of the edge uh, zone presence that, that, that was trying to cover him from breaking out, and he, he made a fool of him. This is a, a fantastic Ravens team i mean what else can we say we see a lot of our colleagues already calling the ravens as super bowl champions this will be a walkthrough now that they're going to be at home i'm not doubting it i just i'm very curious to see if a team will have an answer i really am i believe someone might be able to have a scheme that will at least keep it very close And turnovers haven't been an issue. Turnovers were the key in this game. This is why the Ravens started out the gate sluggish. Turnovers were happening. This was uh, uh, not something that we normally would see from the Ravens whatsoever. Miscues with uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. We saw the ball hit the ground. Mark Ingram does leave this game with an injured calf. He should be fine. The, The Ravens should probably rest Uh, most of their stars next week mark andrews he continued his fantastic day he was six receptions 93 yards and found the end zone twice i mean he has just been a machine and his his bargain value in fantasy football drafts was just absolutely phenomenal so the ravens continue to roll i know it sounds like i'm i'm not a believer in the ravens i truly am i believe the ravens at 13 and 2 are a phenomenally built team They have all the makings to be a Super Bowl champion, no doubt about it. I just want to see the inexperience in Lamar Jackson. We have to take that into account when it comes to the playoffs simply because it is the postseason. It is a different game. Anybody who follows this sport realizes that this this tournament, this playoff is a different animal. So I like the Ravens. Don't kid what I'm saying. I like them a lot. 
I think they might be in tough with a fantastic scheme, but I mean, proof has to be in the pudding. We have to see a team step up and, and show it. So next contest on the board, the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Carolina Panthers. This game had nothing to do with anything outside of fantasy football. This contest, we had the, uh, I believe the Colts were favored by a touchdown. We took it and we ran. Will Greer, the rookie quarterback, was getting a start in this contest in replace of Kyle Allen, who has been struggling immensely the past few weeks. We knew that this was going to be a disaster of a day. Greer threw the ball 44 times, completed nearly half, 224 passing yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns, sacked five times, didn't lose a fumble. I mean, the game plan was there to see what he could do and unfortunately for Greer he was put in a situation where it wasn't going to be conducive to anything positive as for the Colts Naheem Hines he was the man today and not on the ground he was your return specialist he took two punts back to the house he ran them straight clear unbelievable showed the speed three three punt returns 195 yards and two touchdowns that lifted this game as well marlon mack was good today 16 carries 95 yards he found the end zone as well the pass game once again for the colts was virtually anemic i mean there was nothing to see here jacoby Brissett, 119 yards could barely find his receivers they didn't really need to. The defense stepped up. The special team stepped up. So as this game was moving forward, there was really no need to pass. It was it was essentially just kill the clock and play defense. Christian McCaffrey, he finishes off fantasy football with a spectacular showing once again. The ground game, he was 13 for 54, did not find the end zone. But where he made his money for you was in the pass game. 15 receptions, 119 yards. This we knew. I mean, come on. This was going to be checked down central all day for Will Greer. If he couldn't find his receivers, if he was struggling, look for Christian McCaffrey in the middle on the edge and, and dump it off. I mean, this was the day. So outside of that, nothing really to speak of. DJ Moore did leave this contest with a concussion. So if you started him in your finals, you got toasted and roasted on that one unfortunately so hopefully that one didn't kill you in the game moving right along to the next contest on the board again has no viable playoff meeting but this game was actually exciting the cincinnati Bengals taking travel to miami the battle of teams who barely can scrape together any sort of wins this is cincinnati's game to shore up the first overall pick in next year's draft Miami came out of the gates just flying. It was 14-0 before you could blink an eye. Cincinnati comes back with a couple field goals. And in the middle of that, Mike Gusecki gets in the end zone again, followed by another Gusecki touchdown. I mean, this was Ryan Fitzpatrick's day. He was looking sharp. He was dissecting. He was throwing. He was slinging. He went for 400, 419 yards today, four touchdowns and one interception. He threw the ball 52 times. Andy Dalton. So this is where the game changed. When it came into the fourth quarter, the the Bengals only had 12 points on the board. This game was done. I mean, everybody had belief that it was over and the Bengals would just pack it in. Andy Dalton flipped the switch in the fourth quarter and the Bengals scored a whopping 23 points. Unbelievable what we saw. 
And at the end of the game, they recovered the onside kick and were able to force overtime. It was just unbelievable. Dolphins just severely collapsed. They couldn't keep it going. And I mean, for everything, intents and purposes for fantasy football, I really question anybody who would have started Andy Dalton. I mean, the matchup was there. Andy almost hit 400 yards, four touchdown passes. Joe Mixon, he was dealing with a, a stomach bug. He really didn't do much. He carried the ball 21 times, 50 yards. Added some in the past game, nothing really credible. Tyler Boyd, he was on our start list. You had to play this man today, and he rewarded you if you listen. Nine receptions, 128 yards, and two touchdowns. He was the catalyst in this comeback. Andy Dalton just started finding him every which way he could. Andy Dalton even ran the ball in for a touchdown. I believe that was that late tying touchdown, and then they had to get the two-point conversion. Unbelievable this game was. As for the Dolphins, Devontae Parker, he again is impressing me. This is the one thing going into next season about, about Parker. I mean, he will be overdrafted. We mentioned this last week. I believe he is his value is just going to skyrocket. I want to see a little bit of pause because we really don't know who is going to be the starting quarterback uh, for this team next season, who if they're going to draft, if they're going to bring someone in, if Fitzpatrick is going to be uh, the starter again, or if they actually go to Josh Rosen uh, next season. Still lots to be told. So just keep that in mind as we as we conclude fantasy football for 2019. I mean, my mind is always going to next season and, and how we evaluate every single player. But Parker has been extremely impressive. Mike Gusecki, the tight end, he is starting to show out. He is starting to play very well. This kid, Isaiah Ford, keep your eye on him. He is looking like a, a, a something special in the making. He's got wheels for days. He's got good hands. And he could be your, your, your primary slot target for this club moving forward. So very good game for that really didn't have anything to do with anything outside of fantasy football. So moving right along, let's go. Go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Jets. Won't spend a whole heck of a lot of a time on this one. I mean, I really, the, the, the thing for me in this contest was the revenge game for Le'Veon Bell. I really was expecting Lev to have a greater role, but unfortunately, Coach Adam Gase will not get out of his way. This has been your problem all season for Le'Veon Bell for fantasy football. It's the workload. I mean, he's just not getting the work. I mean, today he was better. I mean, you saw 25 carries for 72 yards, but this offensive line just can't find the holes. Le'Veon Bell made a lot of his money in the receiving game, and today he only caught four catches for 21 yards, and he was only targeted four times. If you have an offense like the New York Jets, you need to be targeting Lev at minimum seven times a game and then you'll see the defense come up and then Darnold could throw it deep a lot more often and this uh, Jets offense could be more explosive but coach Adam Gase is that type of coach it's all about his ego he will not change his system for anything and it's clear with Le'Veon Bell only having 2.9 yards per carry in this contest Sam Darnold really didn't need to do a whole heck of a lot. The Pittsburgh Steelers really needed to win this game. They had playoff viability coming out of the yin-yang. They needed to win to keep off the Tennessee Titans. And this day was just horrific. James Conner again finds his way into the medical room with an injury. He just could he just cannot stay healthy. I I'm going on record as of today. Obviously, this could change, but I will not be drafting him or recommending him 
in any more leagues until that health is proven. I mean, his insides are just broken. Every time, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but every time we trust and we put faith, he uh, disappoints us with health. I mean, it's unfortunate for him. We obviously understand these are human beings. They break down, but he, for fantasy football, we just can't trust it anymore. As for the, the Steelers, I mean, they rotated their quarterbacks today. Davlin Hodges started. He was pulled on coach's decision due to poor play as he threw two more interceptions. Mason Rudolph came in the contest, but again, he was relegated to the bench because he found his way with an injury as well. And Pittsburgh drops a contest that they desperately needed in New York. They dropped to 8-7. and seven. And with what was transpiring in the Tennessee Titans-New Orleans Saints game, it was just massive, massive. So next on the board, we do have the New Orleans Saints and the Tennessee Titans. This contest was very exciting to watch. Like we said at the beginning of the show, Derrick Henry was a late scratch after uh, the Houston Texans uh, found their way to win the division. I really still, if 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 Derrick Henry, I don't know if that was the motivation is where I'm going with this, uh, to sit Derrick Henry because the, the Texans already clinched the division crown because you still have wild card hopes on the line. So clearly Derrick Henry was uh, far too injured to, to try to move forward and play in this game. Drew Brees and the Saints, they come in. And in the first quarter, they went down early 14-0. Ryan Tannehill had this offense moving. Deion Lewis was running extremely well. A.J. Brown, he broke a big runoff on a, on a jet sweep, took it to the house. 14-0 is where you sat, and I was really scratching my head. I couldn't understand what was actually happening in this contest. The Saints were were being bullied. They were being beaten up, and Drew Brees couldn't really get anything going on on this offense whatsoever. Enter the second quarter, and it's a different story. Different contest, different game. Coach Sean Payton, he adjusted the schemes and the system extremely quickly, extremely well. The Saints came out like a different team in that second quarter, but nevertheless, this game was a back-and-forth show. I mean, the Saints came back with 10 points, down 4 going into halftime, and then the lights were, were coming off the building as the Saints scored 21 in the third. Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So we saw a lot of individuals suggest the benching of Alvin Kamara this week, and we were not having it. I mean, this is the finals. While we understand that Kamara hasn't found the end zone in, what, nine weeks or since week two, I can't remember exactly what the statistic is, but, I mean, this is the finals. You drafted Alvin Kamara more than likely in the top three picks of your draft. Stick with your guy. You know eventually he is going to find room and break out. And today was your day. Alvin Kamara, welcome back to the end zone. He had 11, 11 carries, 80 yards, and ran the ball in twice for two touchdowns. Also added six receptions for 30 yards. This is a sound day. This is what gets you trophies in fantasy football is sticking with your studs like we're preaching. But congratulations. We have to set it out to Michael Thomas. He again, beast mode out today. 12 receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. With those 12 receptions, he surpasses the great Marvin Harrison for most receptions in a single season. And it is only week 16 unbelievable achievement I really didn't think in my lifetime I was going to see this happen and it happened uh, over 143 
uh, receptions. I believe that was Marvin Harrison's uh, record. Thomas obviously, obviously surpassed that mark. But, I mean, 143 receptions in one season is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, some guys don't even get that in a career, and he's doing it in one season. Phenomenal, phenomenal achievement by the New Orleans Saints, by Michael Thomas, by Drew Brees. He, again, beasts out as well for you. He was 279 and three touchdown passes. The Saints just rolled. So as we discuss the Saints, we cannot sit here and not speak positives about the Tennessee Titans because we've been doing it all season and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue because I believe in what Ryan Tannehill is doing in this offense. So my question mark was, could this Titans offense be as productive without Derrick Henry running the ball? And they were. They definitely were. Ryan Tannehill, he was 17 of 27, 272, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This is the key. I mean, the Saints' defense is stout. It is strong. And Ryan Tannehill was still able to move the ball down the field. Teji Sharp was your guy. He was five receptions, 69 yards, two touchdown passes. So I really wanted to see what A.J. Brown was going to do in this contest against Marshawn Lattimore. This is a big one for me in evaluation tooling because Lattimore is one of the elite corners in this in this league. And A.J. Brown, who is an up-and-coming riser, hasn't seen a guy uh, of this magnitude, I don't believe, uh, for most of the season. He was pretty much locked down today. So that, to me, is a minus step for A.J. Brown. We were preaching uh, the good graces of Brown last week. But as it comes, you know, he is a rookie. We'll give him a break. I mean, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have issues up and down. But, hey. I like the I like the Titans overall game. Brown takes a little bit of a sidestep, but the Saints continue to roll. Final score in this contest was 38 to 28 favoring the Saints, but even with this loss and the Pittsburgh Steelers loss for the or the loss for the Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers loss, the Titans do jump over Pittsburgh for that final wild card spot and they require a win, I believe, and a Pittsburgh loss next week to gain that sixth seed. So I would really like to see the Titans enter the playoff race because it is a better team than the the Steelers, in my opinion. Next contest on the board, the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins. So another contest that had nothing to do with anything had points galore. The Giants win this game 41-35. to This was a back-and-forth shootout all day long. Daniel Jones comes back from injury, and he lights up the scoreboard. He goes 352 yards, five touchdowns. Saquon Barkley, welcome back, Mr. Barkley. He goes 22 carries, 189 yards rushing, one touchdown scored, adds four receptions, 90 receiving yards, and another end zone trip. I mean, this was a monster day for Saquon Barkley. This is the Barkley that we have been waiting for all season long. Where have you been, my man? You basically cost us in, in a couple leagues with all of your downplay. But nevertheless, it was a beautiful day. Beautiful day for Barkley. Golden Tate got in the mix. And Sterling Shepard also, he was found with high regularity from Daniel Jones. This was a very impressive showing. I mean, on a weaker defense, we understand. But Daniel Jones really impressed me today. Coming off the injury, seeing how Eli Manning was able to play, perhaps he learned a trick or two. So moving to the Redskins side, Case Keenum came in this contest after Dwayne Haskins' ankle was rolled. Haskins did have a very sound day, and I thought he was going to 
uh, uh, stay toe-to-toe for how the, the Giants were playing. He threw two touchdown passes, just over 130 yards. Keenum comes in. He goes 158 and throws a touchdown pass as well. Terry McLaurin, he had a decent day, but Steven Sims Jr., this other youngster receiver who we were talking up last week, he finds the end zone twice. If you would have uh, heard or, or, uh, or read our waiver wire pick, we I believe we had him on the – on the target list. So, I mean, if you would have listened to that, he would have paid you handsomely this week. Adrian Peterson, congratulations to you. He finds the end zone and goes into sole possession of fourth place for career rushing touchdowns. Congratulations to Adrian Peterson. Outside of that, this game was actually very exciting. 41 to 35, lots of points scored. Literally no defense to be found anywhere. But, I mean, this is kind of what you want to see for two young teams that are trying to build. I mean, you're going to see this next week as well as, as a lot of teams will be resting their starters. But teams like these, they will want to use all of these remaining games like uh, evaluating tools. So, again, Giants and Redskins was very, very exciting outside of uh, – uh, fantasy football of course there was nothing else to it so moving right along the next contest on the board we have the Detroit Lions at the Denver Broncos I was only curious about this contest for Drew Locke I really wanted to see how he was gonna be able to perform in this contest versus a defense who has holes I mean you have players like Slay who can who can cover um, uh, the receivers and in this case it was Cortland Sutton I really did think that Cortland was going to actually find his way and find some room, but he was locked down today by Slay, which was actually very impressive. Locke did not overly uh, uh, astound me today. I He, again, looked looked a little bit too much like a rookie, like an unpolished product, uh, with those warning signs that a lot of the scouting departments were, were throwing shade on at the beginning of the draft process. But, I mean, overall, his day was decent. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over for you. He is very sound. He is pocket savvy, and he is fairly accurate. I mean, he was 25 of 33, 192, and one touchdown. This was okay for me. If, if I'm a Broncos fan and I'm a Broncos supporter, these are the types of games, at least he is not making the mistakes to uh, uh, make you take pause and think, is this the guy? Do we have the right man for the job? But, I mean, at least he's doing enough to keep you in the games. The run game got in the mix today. Philip Lindsay went 19 for 109 and a touchdown. He It was a beautiful 27-yard scamper. I believe it was 27-yard scamper to get into the end zone. Nice day for him overall. Nice to see Deshaun Hamilton get in the mix today over Sutton. I mean, Sutton was, like we said, locked down by Slay. So, I mean, he got into the mix. He found the end zone, six receptions, 65 yards, and caught the only lock pass for a touchdown as for the Detroit Lions Kenny Galladay at least he saved you um, with some respectable play he went six receptions 66 yards and found the end zone David Blau obviously is the patch made quarterback he is not a long-term answer by any stretch of the imagination Um, but I mean the Detroit Lions are what they are they're playing for the draft as well so nothing else to speak of in that contest let's move right along the Oakland Raiders Uh, taking travel to the Chargers. This contest opened up or closed, I believe, at uh, 6.5 points favoring the Chargers. We gladly took this spread only because no Josh Jacobs. The receiving core is is basically decimated. I understand you got uh, Renfro back from injury, which was going to be somewhat of assistance to Derek Carr. 
But, I mean, I did not really expect the, uh, the Oakland Raiders to come out to play today. Even though they had slim playoff hopes, They, with this victory, they actually stay alive in the playoff race, if you can actually believe it, at 7-8. and eight. They win this contest over the Chargers. They win 24-17. to 17. And... It truly is unbelievable that a 7-8 and eight squad is still alive for the postseason. I mean, they're going to need uh, four contests, I believe, to, to help them plus get the win So next week. But, I mean, this contest really disappoints me if you're a Chargers fan. I really am uh, at a loss. I, I don't understand the game plan whatsoever. This this really looked like a give-up contest, that the Chargers really didn't have any ambition to play, looking like they are playing for the draft. This contest looked like no preparation. I mean, Phillip Rivers was out there trying. They were throwing the ball they completely abandoned the run game. I mean, Anthony Lynn, he is a running backs coach, so I really don't get how you just completely uh, disregard the running, atta- running attack whatsoever. Melvin Gordon, 9 carries, 15 yards. Austin Eckler, 4 carries, 11 yards. This is your ground game today. I mean, a total of, what, 13 carries between two, your two best backs who have been producing. I mean... If you're playing for pride, you obviously showed that you had none in this contest. I mean, this is the way it was. Melvin Gordon, if you played him, he saved his fantasy day with scoring two touchdowns and and finding some work in the pass game with six receptions. But outside of that, this game, this L.A. Chargers team, I really um, am, am, am. I was a supporter of what they were doing and what they were building but I mean it's clear to me that Philip Rivers has seen better days it's time to move on you need an answer at quarterback and perhaps with losing the next two contests they they provide themselves more ammunition to uh, potentially draft one of these quarterbacks that are coming out this season so we'll see how that transpires the Oakland Raiders on the other hand Derek Carr played uh, somewhat efficient. Uh, his his per- completion percentage was great. He was 26 of 30, uh, 291 yards and one passing touchdown. He did not turn the ball over today, which was great. Uh, Washington, DeAndre Washington was your running back with Jacobs out, 23 carries, 85 yards, and he found the end zone. He also pitched in in the pass game. Hunter Renfro, he did take a 56-yard touchdown from uh, Derek Carr he finished the day seven catches 107 and that one score so outside of that I mean the Oakland Raiders I mean they're gonna need a whole heck of a lot of help to get into the postseason I don't see it happening um, but it is enough to say that they are still alive moving along the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles this was the biggest game of the afternoon late evening or early evening contest depending on your time zone Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. What can we say? So we have been preaching it for how long? If you are the Dallas Cowboys, if you are the fans of this team, I do not blame you for your disgust because the formula, again, you go back to last week and see what they were able to do in that that great victory that they had. And you have a massive letdown in the biggest game of the season. The Philadelphia Eagles, yes, okay, fine. You're taking travel, you're going to Philly. This is going to be a very tough environment to win in. But you move away from what makes you successful yet again. Zeke Elliott, 13 carries. 13 carries. 
you don't involve the run game, you lose. This is how it has been all season long. We preached it last week. We showed, or they showed, uh, uh, excuse me, they showed the Dallas Cowboys how good this offense can move when the commitment to the ground game is there. You had well over 200 yards rushing on the L.A. Rams. You made them look pedestrian, a Rams defense which is very good. Today, you go to Philadelphia on a weaker defense overall. Yes, the Eagles' defense, the front seven, is fairly sound, but they're beatable. I mean, if you spread out their secondary, you can hit the deep shots, and even that wasn't really working today. Michael Gallup, he was your guy. Amari Cooper has been invisible. How is Amari Cooper getting locked down by this uh, defensive back uh, uh, court? I just don't understand what is going on with the play calling. Coach Garrett, I don't know if he's got his hands in the offensive play calling, but again, this was a massive failure. You're, 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 you're a very simple team. You should be running the ball with Zeke Elliott because he is one of the best in the NFL. Use him every single game at minimum 20 touches from the backfield to set up the play-action pass. So here's the thing. The highlight was at the before this contest started, uh, uh, Dak Prescott was not practicing this week due to an AC joint injury. And if anybody understands what an AC joint is, that basically means you cannot lift your arm. It is extremely difficult. You're always in pain. And then he's off the injury report, Dak Prescott was, before this game started. I couldn't understand. This wasn't even sleight of eye. I mean, so what, you're trying to say that Dak Prescott is playing injured so you the Eagles wouldn't uh, game plan against him? I mean, this is poor coaching and poor scheming at its best. Uh, Dallas is completely dysfunctional. Uh, if I'm a fan, I am calling for the head of uh, Jason Garrett. I mean, granted, I understand again, the Cowboys are still alive in the playoff hunt. If the Eagles drop their contest and the Cowboys win, they will be in, surprisingly. Um, but I mean, this is the way this division has been. At this point, I believe the Eagles play the Giants, a very winnable contest, and the Cowboys will struggle. I mean, if they... If they don't set up the ground game like we have suggested over and over again, it's going to be game over. I mean, Dallas has a divisional game against the Redskins, which should be a win as well. So basically, it is in the hands of the Eagles taking travel to New York to win that contest to eliminate the, the Cowboys. Cowboys did themselves a grave disservice today in not establishing the run. I will never understand this team. I won't get it. Dak Prescott is not your world elite level passer who is going to control the game have we seen it outside of a handful games no so why are you continuing to believe that this is the way to move forward with this club I understand you have Michael Gallup you have Amari Cooper you have Randall Cobb who also came and play today but you're beatable when you become one-dimensional you are beatable you are not converting on third down and 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 the game is basically done Dallas could not find the end zone. They lose this contest to the Eagles 17-9. Once again, Miles Sanders, our guy, he comes to play. We love Miles Sanders. Again, over, over 150 yards, almost 150 yards uh, total offense for Miles Sanders. He was 79 on the ground, found the end zone, added five receptions for 77 yards. 
Very good day for Miles Sanders. The Eagles are finally starting to realize that, hey, he is a player. We can use him. We can scheme with him. And then Dallas Goddard comes to play when uh, Zach Ertz, he found his way to the medical room as well. He had to leave. And then you have this guy, Greg Ward. I really like this cat. I mean, he is doing just enough enough of what you need to secure the ball to move the chains he is he is a solid solid player in my opinion I think he will be good Eagles win huge contest for playoff implication they take the lead in the division now and they hold a, a, a playoff spot at this point like we said until next week so it will be extremely uh, interesting to see nevertheless so Going on to the next contest on the board, we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. This contest, I, the spread Vegas dropped was 10.5 points favoring Seattle. This was in Seattle. I took that spread, and I regret every ounce of it because I, I have been a believer in what uh, Kyler Murray has been able to do. And on the Seattle Seahawks defense, who has been up and down, and this team... Uh, over the course of this season, for some reason, have played less uh, inspired in front of the 12th man at home. They have been a better team on the road, which is very strange for a Seattle club. But, I mean, this is the proof in the pudding once again. Chandler Jones was an absolute machine on defense. He His pressure, he was getting to Russell Wilson. He found four, count them, four sacks today on Russell Wilson by himself. I believe his season total is at 19. 19 sacks for Chandler Jones on this losing club who has five wins in the Cardinals. He has been a machine and he showed out today. This Cardinals defense showed out today. They were unbelievable. Russell Wilson, he was one of our start start players with high confidence this week and we failed on that. We failed you people. We apologize, but I mean we did the due diligence, the process. It was all there. Russell Wilson should have had a very good day. Give credit where credit is due. Cliff Kingsbury, he had a game plan from jump, and it was undeniable how well it worked. I mean, DK Metcalf, your impressive rookie receiver, he is held to zero catches today. Tyler Lockett, for the most part, was locked down as well. Pun intended. One reception, 12 yards. He did not perform. Chris Carson, he had eight carries today, and unfortunately, this is the devastating blow to a playoff club like the Seahawks who rely on their run game. This is a travesty. Chris Carson has been lost for the season due to a hip injury. He left the contest, obviously did not return, and we got word after the game that it is a season-ending injury. Seattle does not have the defense to carry this club. They are built with the ground game, and you no longer have your top two runners. You no longer have Carson. You no longer have Penny. Russell Wilson is going to have to be, again, the catalyst that puts his team on his back and, and attempts to, to take them anywhere in this, in this postseason. I really don't see it anymore without the strong run of Chris Carson and the Seahawks. I mean, depending on if they can find uh, uh, some great fortune on their practice squad or, or a running back on the street at this point um, to come in and help and assist in the ground attack, then possibly... 
But I mean, as it stands today, this is a massive, massive blow to uh, their potential playoff lives. Seahawks lose today. They drop now in the standing. San Francisco overtakes them for that first seed, and Seattle drops down at number five. These two clubs do face off against each other next week, San Francisco and Seattle, and it will be for the right to the number one overall seed. Finishing it off on Sunday, let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Chicago on Sunday Night Football. We really knew, I mean, come on, this contest was going to be a dud. Outside of uh, the NFL flexing better contest to Sunday Night Football, there wasn't really much uh, uh, the NFL was going to give in, in, the, in, the, in the form of entertainment for Sunday night. The Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, this was going to be a tune-up. The Bears have nothing left to play for other than pride. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he was absolutely fantastic today. He goes again 23-33, 251, two passing touchdowns, and he also runs one in for a, for a score. The thing is, I mean, if we're going to speak, I mean, this was a no contest, uh, uh, basically right from jump. No reason to really evaluate the Bears at this point, but we can discuss what the Kansas City Chiefs are heading into the postseason. I do believe that this defense, so I was very critical on this defense earlier this season, and now I'm starting to come around. They really look very strong. But again, like we said last week, you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. And this will be the case. I mean, they expect a lot of uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, uh, in that safety spot. They He is the quarterback on that defense. And, and they're going to be expecting him to, to have everything, 110%, uh, where the players need to be and the coverages and schemes need to be. Terrell Suggs got in the mix today. He is first game as a Kansas City Chiefs. He actually had a few quarterback pressures. It was actually uh, refreshing to see as as this defensive front and this front seven of of the uh, the Chiefs is very stout and very strong. They can get to the quarterback, as we saw with Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. He was sacked three times today. But, I mean, nevertheless, this was a tune-up contest for the Kansas City Chiefs like we knew it was going to be. It was easy pickings for Mahomes and company. They still need uh, uh, a running back to to reassert themselves as a as the number one guy. I mean, you're going to see Shady. You're going to see uh, uh, Damian Williams split time throughout the postseason. I mean, it's clear. There's no way that one of them is going to take the lead. They'll ride the hot hand, but that will be extremely important for this club moving forward. Right now, the Chiefs sit with the third seed. That's probably where they will stay. New England has a big contest next week to secure that first round bye, and if that's the case, the Chiefs will host uh, the sixth seed in the wild card round, and then that would leave uh, Houston number four facing the five Buffalo Bills. Very interesting Excuse me, AFC uh, showdowns, that's for sure. But let's move on to Monday Night Football, the last contest on the board. We have the Green Bay Packers taking travel to Minnesota to face the Vikings. This game had everything to do with playoff and division uh, and still does. I mean, the, the uh, NFC North is still completely up for grabs. The Packers currently have the one-game lead on the Vikings. But the biggest issue we see, obviously, is injuries. Dalvin Cook will not play in this contest. Alexander Madison, he will not play in this contest. That will hamstring the Vikings greatly. However, we had discussions about the Packers. Yes, they are balanced, but 
are they able to allow, and I'm talking of Coach Matt LaFleur, is he going to be able to allow Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball where he wants to go? But again, even if Aaron Rodgers does throw the ball, will the receivers make the plays? Because we just haven't seen it outside of uh, Devontae Adams this season. I mean, Lazard has been there. I mean, Allison and uh, MVS uh, Valdez Scanling, they have had their moments, but I mean, nothing over the top incredible for a team that is desperately looking for that number two uh, receiver to take pressure off. But Aaron Jones, he will again, he will be the staple for the Packers. The, the Vikings will have to play very sound defense and they have over the past several weeks. So I am looking for an extremely fantastic showing Vegas did have the spread sitting at uh, minus four and a half favoring the Vikings. I'm taking the under. There's no way that's going to be covered. Um, I just don't see it. These two teams will be, it'll be a bloodbath. This game could literally come down to uh, a field goal or less uh, for point differential. For uh, who I'm picking as the winner, I'm I'm really thinking Green Bay simply because Dalvin Cook is not there. Mike Boone, he did fill in very well last week, but this is a different uh, uh, defense um, than what they faced two weeks ago in the Chargers. So, do I think the Packers win and, and take this division? I'm going to say yes. Uh, will I be surprised if Kirk Cousins comes out to play and, and can win? No, because it is in Minnesota. I have been a supporter of the Vikings all season long, so it it, it does hurt to, to side with the Green Bay Packers. But at this point, I mean, health is the biggest issue. Um, uh, Adam Thielen and Diggs will have to be on point. Clutch factor will be key. Can Kirk Cousins finally um, prove to himself, prove to the to the viewing public that he can win these types of games in the most important situations and scenarios. So, I still I'm gonna I'm gonna say Green Bay is gonna win this contest. Won't be surprised if Minnesota comes out on top, but it should be a very very good showing. But on that note, that is week 16. Fantasy football is complete. If you had a championship contest this week and you use ADF for all of your advice, we want to say thank you. We really appreciate everything that you guys do. It's all about us helping the fantasy community get this get your fantasy football trophy get the titles i really want to thank all those who reached out in the dms uh to uh personally thank me for all the content and hard work that i do it is greatly appreciated we put a lot of effort and a lot of heart into all of this and and it's it's nice to see that it's returned with uh with thanks and and championship trophies on your end so uh we appreciate you thank you very much we are not going away during the off season make sure you stay tuned to everything on all day football adf underground will continue throughout the off season there is no off season for all day football get that right so i mean on that note you can find me on twitter at chris underscore adf1 give us a follow you can find the show on twitter at adf underground you can find the show on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, Podbeam, or wherever you get your shows and i'll take this opportunity to say merry christmas to all the listeners all the supporters of all day football we truly truly appreciate you so until next week stay humble stay peaceful and take care of each other i'm out <laughs>